So is there a David on the right side? Okay. Oh, there's two Davids on the right side. Man, I was trying to narrow things down. I'll get to you, I'll get to you too. All right, David, stand up for me. Yeah. How you doing? Everybody say hi to David. Welcome, David. Good, David. All right, awesome. Uh, David, I, I, I feel like the Lord's made you a, a gentle giant. I wrote the, what the Lord said is that he's made you to be one that would raise up um, young people that feel like they're weak and make them strong. In fact, you're going to take what's their greatest weaknesses and turn them into their greatest strength. And I feel like God's going to connect you with young men that have gone through like very difficult beginnings of life, which has created patterns of behavior in their life that they think they can't overcome. And you're going to help them become not just overcomers, but more than conquerors. You're going to raise up a generation that's pure, that's righteous, that's holy, that doesn't come from a standpoint of legalism, but comes from a standpoint of powerful grace and that releases righteousness into a generation. And I feel like um, also the Lord's going to use you like, a, like an equipper and a trainer of the spiritual gifts, but it's going to, but it's going to come from a place of not your own, uh, what you think are your own personal strengths, but the areas of your life where you felt like you've been the, weakness, the weakest, God's going to use those for great strength in your life. Um, I, I also feel like there's, um, there's like a, a group of, of men that are coming around you, almost like this group of champions. And I see you guys like training literally physically for something, but it's also spiritual training. And I asked the Lord, what is it? And he's like, it's, it's like a triathlon thing. And I just feel like there's this anointing like of a, of, a, of a triathlon of the Trinity that you're going to release the love of the Father, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, and the uh, communion with Jesus over, over a generation. And I feel like you're gonna, God's going to bring you through a season of time where you literally have interaction with God, at the Godhead, as each individual member of the Trinity where he's going to get to know you in a, in a new way in this next season. And this next season is the communion of the Holy Spirit is going to be what's going to be incredibly powerful in your life. Like you're going to wake up in the morning and hear the Holy Spirit's voice like you've never heard it before. And out of that's going to come a download of spiritual gifts in your life. So we just bless you, David, in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Good deal. All right, in the back there. David, in the back. Yeah, you can stand up. I saw you, sir. This is interesting. I saw you with like these uh, yard tools in your hand, almost like plowing up the ground. And I just feel like the Lord says you're a cultivator of the ground. And there's been, um, you've allowed God to plow up hard ground in your life. And he's planted seeds. Uh, and the Lord said these are generational seeds that are in your life. And the Bible says that a righteous man leaves an inheritance to his children and his children's children. And God wants to give you a promise that literally you're going to see the generations in your family come back to the Lord and produce a harvest of righteousness in your family. But I also feel like the Lord is literally making a, a covenant with you uh, for the land. And I, and I feel like there's some things that have even come against you in this last season, like the last three years has been a, a season where it feels like you planted seed and you didn't get your harvest. And every time it was time for the harvest, the enemy stole your harvest. But I hear the Lord say that the enemy has like tried to illegally take you to court and accuse you before God. He's called the accuser of the brethren. And I saw him stand like in a courtroom and, and try to uh, come against you as an adversary. But then I saw the, your lawyer walk in and it was Jesus. He's called the advocate. And, and Jesus walks in and he just, he just puts the, the papers, the stack, it's a thick stack of papers, and he puts them down on the thing. And, and I hear the judge say, present your evidence. And when he pulls the papers open, there's, it's all blank sheets. 
And what he's saying is, is that there's no case against you. They, their case is empty. The case is empty. And I just feel like the Lord is saying, there's even something that come, has come against you that you could settle with a, like a, a, a natural legal system. But I hear God say that he's going to take the devil to court and he's going to give you back seven times what you've lost in the last three years. So just bless you in Jesus' name, okay? Amen. For some reason, I see like earth-moving equipment, literally... Do you do anything with like equipment, like heavy equipment and things like that? Do you have like bulldo- like b- like backhoes or something like that? You do it with your hand. So you actually cultivate the, la- the ground with your hand? What is it? Cement. Stanley Steamer. Oh, Stanley Steamer. Jeez. Settle down. Okay. See, I thought he said sand and cement. You said Stanley Steamer. I was going to give you a CD, but I'm not. No, I'm just kidding. Actually, here. You need to think like heaven. You can have this one, honey. Okay, give this to him. Okay. So, so, I, I really do, I do feel like there's, there's an increase that's coming back to you. And even like equipment that you had to give up for a season is coming back to you. So there's, there's favor for even like a new truck or something like that in your life. So just bless you, Jesus' name, okay? All right. Yeah, man. What's that? I know. That's good. All right. Is, is, this is working out okay. Is there a Laura? Laura? Laura Lefty? I, said it's Laura. I have Laura Lefty. So, on the left side. Not that you're a lefty. You're on the left side. Just, I actually have Laura left side, but I thought I'd just play on words. So, so, Laura on the left side. Okay. All right. I don't have a word for you, but I got your name right anyway. So, it's good. So, it's, you're in the right spot. So I, I need to see you better So because I have these bright lights. No, you're good. You're good. It's me. I'm it's not easy being green. He was green up here before, and hopefully they fixed the lights. So, oh, so, so here's, here's um, Laura, here's what I, I heard God say. I heard the Lord say that, that you're going, there's a strong sense of uh, justice over your life, and I feel like you've gone through things where you weren't treated fair, but I feel like you're going to be one that's going to stand up and speak up uh, for people that have gone through injustice in their life, particularly at-risk women, at-risk children. And you're going to be like one who's going to be a spokesperson for them. I also feel like the Lord says that your greatest uh, advocacy is going to come through prayer. And that God's given you a gift of intercession. But it's not just going to be in the prayer closet in the war room. It's going to be in, in a public kind of a debate setting. And I feel like the Lord is going to use you even to influence people that have the ability to change laws, to change rules, and that there's a, an, there's a governmental anointing on your life. There's a governmental intercessor anointing on your life. And God's going to connect you with people that are in governmental circles. And you're going to be one that's going to be an advisor at first that's going to, to shift policy, that's going to change policy. But the Lord is putting a crown on your head. And there's going to come a time where office will open up for you that the Lord will use you to stand in public office to be a public representative for Him. And you're going to influence representatives. You're going to influence people, particularly, I feel like the area 
of a justice for the unborn is one that God's going to use you to have a voice into, and you're going to influence women before they make the decision to, to, for, for death. They're going to make the decision for life. But also, you're not just going to change hearts, which is what happens first, but God's going to use you to influence people that can change laws. And God is going to use you to literally release the justice of heaven to earth. So we just bless you in Jesus' name. God, I thank you. And I feel like there's even like been some preparation and training in your life saying, God, this degree is going to waste. This training is going to waste. But I hear the Lord say, he's not going to waste one trial that you've been through, one uh, class of education that you've been through, one degree that you've paid for. He's not going to waste one thing. And even I feel like the Lord says, there's even some uh, higher level of training and equipping and education that God's going to put you through, the school of the Spirit that's going to release a higher level of authority in your life. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. Is there, is there an Ashley here? Is there any Ashley here? Oh, you have a daughter? She didn't come either? Okay, that's all right. And I, and I know I could give words to people that aren't here, and because and, and, and I know there's some pe- these people that are here that are part of your church. Um, I, just don't, I don't want to do that. I just don't want to. I just I want to stick with the people that are here. So and I also want to take a little time to give you a word here, because I do have a good word for you, but I, I don't know what I did with my Bible. Oh, there it is. It's my phone. <laughs> go, to, go to John chapter 4 for me. Uh, here's what I heard the Lord say we're worshiping. I haven't actually shared this message in quite a while. Was, I was really excited that I got to share it. And I just, I just feel like the Lord is saying that um, He's going to do something in your lives, I believe in the church, but also in this region, where places where you didn't have favor and even you were kept out of and rejected, that God's about to send you back to with great favor. And doors that have literally been locked and slammed in your face are going to open up in front of you. Places in, in the culture are going to open up to you. And um, I'm going to title this little talk, um, Getting Your Galilee, okay? Getting Your Galilee. Go to jo- John chapter 4. And um, John chapter 3 and 4 is just a really cool passage about Jesus and the journey that he went on. And Let me just set the stage a little bit for you. Jesus, Galilee is sort of the northeast part of Israel. Israel is about shape and size of, of New Jersey. Have you ever been there? People are more tan in Jersey than in the Middle East. Go figure. Anyway, so, so in the north, northern part, northern Jersey, Newark, you have Galilee up in the north. And then the center part, you have Samaria. And then in the southern part, you have Jerusalem or Judea. It's where the temple is. So it's not a very big geographic place. But if you had to walk it, it's a long walk. So these are the three main provinces of, of the state of Israel. Then the north, you have Galilee. It's more rocky terrain. It's... it's it's a high mountainous, it's, it's agricultural kind of a culture. In the center, Samaria, it's kind of no man's land. Uh, Samaritans were uh, thought of as a mixed breed. And in Judea, that's where the center of all activity, political, spiritual, all that kind of stuff, Jerusalem, and all that stuff in, in Judea. And the reason you need to know that is because we're going to track a little bit with Jesus through this, but I wanted to read something to you. And I want to change a mindset for you because I believe favor it doesn't just come in our life. An increase of opportunity doesn't just come because something happens. It primarily comes because we change our perspective. So, you know, if you get to the, go to the mall and you don't get the front parking spot, 
you might think, oh, I lost favor. But maybe it's because God wants you to put you somewhere where you can minister to someone. Or maybe just you've been asking the Lord to help you lose weight, so he's going to park you in the back so you can walk. You know, Literally, I mean, it's just, God, I want to get in shape, <laughs> and you're going to have to walk, okay? You know, and it's just a mindset change. I remember I had to shift this mindset. I was, um, I was uh, doing some ministry, actually, um, in, it was in Italy. You know, I was suffering for Jesus doing missions in Italy. <laughs> and so it was actually the, the first trip I went, that I went there. I think it was in 2006. And I spent two weeks there, had a great time in Rome, and went to a couple other cities. And I was on my way back. And literally, it was, I had a word for the nation. It was a cool time that I was there. Uh, actually, it was my first time going to, to Italy, and I said, Lord, I don't just want to go to a nation. I want to get a word for the nation. And so two weeks before I was on my way there, I was going to preach at Rome the first weekend that I was there, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I, um, I'm sitting two weeks before, two weeks, maybe a week and a half before, and I'm watching a, excuse me, soccer game, football. I'm watching a, a soccer game, and it's actually Italy playing Australia, and it's in the preliminaries up, leading up to the World Cup. And so I'm like, oh, I don't know much about soccer. Just happened to be sitting there. I had my computer. I was actually doing some other work because that's the way I do work. I watch TV, have music on, and have my computer on all at the same time. That's how I did my homework. My mom could never figure it out. But that's how I focus with distractions. And so I'm sitting there, and I say, oh, man, I'm going to be in Rome. I'm going to be in Italy when they have the World Cup. But it certainly wouldn't be good for me if the finals were anywhere around that time. So I get on my computer, and I look up the World Cup finals. Wouldn't you know? the final game of the World Cup was going to be played the final night of my conference when I was in Rome. And I thought, oh, this is going to be bad. If Italy gets into the finals, it would mess up my conference. So I said, Lord, make them lose like early. You know, and it, like that's a terrible thing to do. But I didn't realize that they didn't really have a chance at that time. They weren't a good team. The Lord speaks to me and I see this vision open up in front of me. And I see the Brazilian soccer team there. And I see them hand the World Cup to the Italian soccer team. And the Lord said, no, they're going to win the World Cup this year. And it's a sign of a revival that's coming from Brazil to Italy. And I said, hmm, <laughs> okay, what are you going to do with that? How are you going to judge it? Well, you judge it right when you go there, right? So literally I get there and what the Lord told me is happening. They actually now are going to play in the final game. They're, they're, they're totally the underdog. They're playing France uh, in the final game in 2006. And the final of the World Cup is being played on the Sunday night of my conference. So I speak in Rome Friday night, and I'm like, this is exciting for me. This is my, like a word for this nation. I'm going to get up, and I'm going to give this word. So Friday night, one of the first things I do, I tell this story. I get up, and I say, and God wants you to know that there's a revival coming to Italy. And it's like a revival that's going on in Brazil, and it's going to come to Italy. It's going gonna, it's gonna to affect this nation. And as a sign of that, Italy's going to win the World Cup this Sunday. And everybody freaks out. I don't watch soccer, and I, you know, people I hang around with, you know, we just think, oh, another soccer game. No, this is like life and money and they're screaming. And I'm like, oh, no, what did I just do? Because I'm actually going to be here while the game's playing. And I just prophesied to a bunch of raving Italians about their soccer team. So I'm thinking, oh, man, if this doesn't happen, they're going to just pick up these ancient Roman stones and they're going to stone that prophet, right? <laughs> so what do you do when, you know, the Lord gives you a prophetic word that's risky? Double down on it. Just go, make, if you're going to get killed, get killed for something good. You know, get killed believing in something. 
So I get there Sunday. I'm getting ready to preach a message. We already won the game. You know, the game is, is getting ready to be played while we're in our service. They're, they come with all their shirts, all their flags. We didn't have worship service. We had pregame warm-up. That's what we had. People waving flags during worship. They were not worshiping Jesus. They were getting ready for their soccer game. So I preached a message on, we've already won the game. I preached from Jehoshaphat in in Second Chronicles 20.20. Believe in your prophets and you will have success. Believe in your prophets. And so I'm like, believe in this work. Yeah, we're going to win. So I figured I'm going to leave. As soon as I'm done preaching, I'm going. And I tried to go out the back door and the pastor is like, hey, we have some pasta for you. I'm like, okay, I'll stay for pasta. So I'm in the pastor's office eating pasta and they're screaming in the auditorium because they're all watching the game. They have it on a big screen. They have on the loudspeakers. I think they invited the drunk people from next door to come over or else they became the drunk people. And so they were watching the game. And I just hear screaming and things. Someone comes back and they say, Prophet, you have to come watch the game. I said, no, I don't really know much about soccer. They said, well, it's tie and they're kicking the, the penalty kicks or whatever you kick at the end. Penalty kicks? So they're kicking them. And uh, I'm like, do I have to? <laughs> this is hilarious. It's true. This is exactly what's happening. They're gathered around their TV. They are glowing with like excitement. And I'm behind them. And I'm going like this. Jesus, please, please, if you've ever answered a prayer. And so all I hear is a big scream. France misses a kick. And I'm just like, yes, God, there is a God in heaven. And I am a prophet to the nations. And so it was like one of those Italian weddings. They put me up, put me on a chair. They put me around. It's, it's amazing. It's awesome. I had favor. But after two weeks there, I was just like, you know, I was tired. I went from to another city. Actually, my last gig was a Christian heavy metal festival in the mountains of Italy. And my ears, yeah, it was awesome. My ears were ringing. And um, it was cool. We had a good time. So, so I, it takes me from this mountain village like 12 hours, 15 hours to get back to my, to get back to the airport in Rome. Like literally cars, trains, planes, automobiles. I get there after 12 hours. There's a delay. And so... You know, I don't know how you feel about delays. I travel a lot. I'm not real happy about delays. My personality is 15 minutes early is on time. That's what my dad taught me. And my wife thinks five minutes is, well, you know, I already went over that. And so my personality is, doesn't like delays. And nobody liked the delays. We get there, like, it's a 30-minute delay, and everybody's, ah, and they're talking. And I'm tired. And I'm like, man, Lord, this has been a good, good trip, but I want to go home. And I saw this couple walking out to the side, and I'm like, where are they going? And I wanted to get away from the crowd because they were a little rowdy anyway. They were complaining. They couldn't get information. And so this, I followed this couple. They were dressed nicely, probably about the age of my parents at the time. And so I followed them, and they, they were going to go up an elevator. They hit a button, went up the elevator. As they pushed the button, I was still standing behind them, and I saw that there was a sign, and it said executive level, upper level, executive club, upper level. And I'm like, oh, no, they're going to the executive club. But it was too late. They turned around. They saw me. And the doors opened. So I'm like, all right, I guess I'll just get in. So now I'm developing a plan. Like, well, maybe they'll think, I'm, you know, they're my parents. I'll just sneak in with them. I don't know what I'm thinking. I'm probably dehydrated, tired. And so we get to the top. And there, I thought, well, I'll strike up a conversation with them. Maybe they'll just invite me to come in with them. So I start to strike up a conversation. They speak German. They said something like Gesundheit. And I don't know what it meant. And so, and so they get up there. And they go into the club. They show their card to the lady. They go into the club. And now I'm, I'm literally just there. I just followed them up, and I'm standing there. And I'm smiling at the lady. Because if you want to have favor, you better smile. 
And um, I said, I don't have my card with me. Because I didn't, because I don't have a card. And so she said, well, do you have a ticket? I said, do I have a ticket? I took my ticket out. She goes, oh, your number is right in the bottom of your ticket. Welcome in, Mr. Hazlett. I'm like, welcome in. <laughs> now, I happened to be reading on, that, on my trip to the airport, Isaiah 55, that, that day. And it, it says, it starts with this, come buy wine without cost, milk without money. I just like free stuff. That's just my nature. So I was like, there was wine there, but I just not a much of a wine drinker at the time, but there was also cappuccino. And I figured that's milk, that's milk without cost, wine without money. And so I asked them, you know, how much are the cappuccinos? They're like, free. I'm like, this is the Lord. He told me I could buy milk without cost. <laughs> so I have a 20 minute, 30 minute delay. I finish my cappuccino and I see that my delay is now an hour delay. So I'm like, cappuccino. I get another cappuccino, two hour delay. Cappuccino, cappuccino, cappuccino. I think I hit like six cappuccinos, they're three hour delay. Now I'm wired, now I'm like, I can't wait for this ride home. This is the best ride home ever. I'm gonna watch the whole Lord of the Rings trilogy back to back to back, because I am so jazzed with cappuccinos. I just can't wait. My precious, my precious, my precious. Cappuccino. And so, finally this three hour delay ends, and they come, we come down, we come out of the club, and everybody's just tired and angry. And I'm like, why is everybody so angry? What's going on? This is a great flight. I can't wait to get on this flight. And I get in the plane, and I'm, I'm literally in coach in the middle seat. I'm in the middle seat, but I didn't care, because I'm like, look it, I got this big screen. I got cappuccino. I got Lord of the Rings. This is going to be a great flight. People come and sit next to me, and they're a little bit blessed people, but I wasn't even upset about the overflow of their blessing onto my seat. I'm in the middle, and I'm squished, but I'm like, this is great. I got cappuccino, Lord of the Rings. They're like, what? Good thing they didn't speak English. They probably would have had some choice words for me. So I'm just cool because I'm the favor. Of, even though there's been a delay, I feel the favor of God, you know? And so my name comes over the, over the system. And the guy calls me to the front. He goes, Mr. Hazel, you're in the wrong seat. I said, I am. He goes, yeah, we have you in first class. And I'm like, do you have cappuccino? He's like, yeah, <laughs> yes. But actually, I sat down. He's like, would you like champagne before we go? I'm like, I don't have bad champagne, but wine without cost, it's biblical. Let's have that too. So, and I'm sitting there, I'm like, God, this is, this is cool. He goes, yeah, but this is a lesson. The lesson is this, is that when you believe you have favor and you act like you have favor, you actually have favor. And when you follow people that have favor and do what they do, favor starts to follow you. And I feel like this Jesus is an example in, in, John, chap in John chapter 4, that he's pointing out something about Galilee. So there's a scripture here. After two days, verse 43, John chapter 4, after two days, Jesus left for Galilee. Now Jesus himself had pointed out that a prophet has no honor in his own country, but when he arrived in Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him. We've all heard that saying, a prophet's not without honor except for in his hometown. And we base that upon Jesus' experience in Galilee when he wasn't first received his first sermon, it was worse than my first sermon, which was 10 minutes, I said everything I knew three times, and it lasted 10 minutes. But at least they didn't try to throw me off a cliff. <laughs> they tried to throw Jesus off a cliff after his first sermon, and it was way better than mine. And they, he left Galilee having been rejected. But what did he do when he was rejected in Galilee? He went to Judea and just did the same thing. Because they weren't rejecting him, they just didn't welcome him. 
And there's a difference between being rejected and not welcome. See, people can't receive you unless they can see who you are. If they can't see who you are, they may not accept you, but that doesn't mean you're rejected because you were accepted in the beloved before you were ever rejected by the church. You're accepted by God before you were ever rejected from a college. You're accepted by God before your parents ever rejected you. So your acceptance trumps any rejection or any place you haven't been welcomed. God has always welcomed you with open arms. And in fact, this word welcome means to embrace with, with uh, vigor or violence, to literally grab you, put you up on a chair and dance you around the village. They welcomed him. Just a few weeks before, they had rejected him. What did he do when he was rejected? He just went where he was supposed to go next and continued to be himself. He went to Galilee, did, uh, uh, Judea did miracles, came back. He was, was supposed to go around Samaria to come back to Galilee. Remember, Galilee's in the south. You're supposed to go around because you don't go through Samaria. He went through Samaria. Got tired, John chapter 4 says, tired from the journey, Jesus sat down by the well and a Samaritan woman came out to him. What did he do when he was rejected, when he was tired? He just kept being himself. He wasn't at a church meeting. He was just at a coffee shop. He was at a bar. He was sitting at a well. What did he do there? He started a revival after he was rejected and tired. And he did it by accident. Oops. I was just rejected. What should I do? I don't know. Maybe just go get a cup of coffee and accidentally start a revival. Maybe you're in a place where you felt like you've been rejected, and, or maybe you've been grown weary and well-doing, doing the right thing, but you're a little tired. What should you do? Just sit down and have a cup of coffee, maybe a cappuccino, and start a revival. Because that's what Jesus did. And because he just kept going to where God called him to go and kept being who he was, he came back to Galilee. And it says... We'll, we started here. After two days, he left for Galilee. He left Samaria after he did the revival there. And he came to Galilee. And when he came to Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him because they had seen all that he had done in Jerusalem, which means that sometimes when people see you the first time, they can't see you who you really are. What should you do when they don't accept you for who you really are? You just kept be, keep being who you are. Eventually, they'll see who you are, and they'll welcome you. You just keep being who you are. You just keep the smile on your face. You just keep drinking cappuccino. You just keep prophesying. Just keep praying for the sick. You just keep praying for those who despitefully use you. You keep blessing those who curse you. You keep doing that, and eventually, they will see you, and they will welcome you. But what's really cool about this is Jesus is not just teaching us, and we have to take away this mindset. A prophet's, you've heard it said, a prophet's without honor, in, not without honor except in his hometown. You've heard it said because that was a famous saying about Galilee. There's nothing good that comes from Galilee. A prophet's not without honor except for in his hometown. That's not a truth. It's just an experience that people had, and so they made a saying about it. So there's nothing good from Galilee. A prophet's not without honor except for in his hometown. Just because something is truth and experience doesn't mean that it's truth and reality. doesn't mean that it's truth that you should be living in. And there's a lot of truths that we live in that are based upon our experience that are not what God wants to be our experience. And so Jesus flips this on its head. You've heard it said a prophet's without honor in his hometown, but let me show you what happens when you believe the favor of God's on your life. When you just continue to do what God said, even when you become weary and well-doing, keep doing what God said. You'll be welcomed with honor in Galilee. But what you have to understand is, not only was Jesus, did Jesus have to prove he could have favor in his hometown, but he lived in a place that had no favor in the land. It was said nothing good comes from Galilee because Galilee had a reputation of a place that it's good to be from and not go back to. 
Like, you need to leave that place. And the reason was this, because Galilee was the northernmost province, and when they came into the land, they came in the south. So the south is the Bible Belt, where all the big churches are, and the temple. You go through the middle of the country, and it's no man's land, and you get to the northeast, and it's just hard, rocky soil. It was the last place of inheritance to take. And there were two tribes, Naphtali and Zebulun, that were supposed to take this tribe to the place of Galilee. And the Bible tells us in, uh, in Chronicles and in Kings, in Judges chapter 1, it says that Naphtali and Zebulun did not procure the land of Galilee. They didn't take it, but they lived in coexistence with the people in the land. They began to speak like them. They began to change their language because they intermarried with them. They built with them. And so they didn't have a pure sense of their identity in Galilee. They didn't have a pure, and this isn't about ethnic cleansing. It's not about being ethnically pure. It's not about biracial. What it is, is is a prophetic picture of when we go to take our inheritance, we have to remove anything out of our inheritance that's from our old nature. We can't commingle with the past. We can't commingle with that. We're not going to, because when you start to think like the past and you start to talk like the past, out of the abundance of a man's heart, his mouth speaks. When you start to talk like the past, you start to act like the past. Your ways are not my ways. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. Your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. Your ways are higher than my ways. You want to change your actions, change your thinking. So when you, you think something long enough, you'll start to speak it. When you speak it long enough, you'll start to act it out. If you act it out long enough, you'll become it. You'll become something that you're not created to be. The good news is when you start to think like heaven, you start to talk like heaven, you start to act like heaven, you start to look like heaven. So you can say, like Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen my father. If you've heard me, you've heard my father's words. If you've seen my actions, you've seen my father's actions. I only do the works of my father. I came to put skin on God. I came to give a voice to God. I came to put action to God's hands. And guess what? You are here to show people what Jesus looks like. And Jesus said in that same conversation, and you can do the works that I do and greater things than these because I go to be with my father. He had just finished telling them the reason I came was to show you what God looks like, what he sounds like and what he does. And you can do the works that I do, which means you can show people what God looks like, what God sounds like, and what God does. You can do do that because he went to be with the Father, so now you can show people what Jesus looks like. Jesus is an invisible. You came. You're here to put skin on Jesus. The fullness of the Godhead dwelled in him in bodily form. And in in, in him, you are fullness. You are complete. You've been brought to fullness. The same word used about how the Spirit and the Godhead, the Father and the Spirit, dwelled in Jesus, the fullness, all the essence, all the power, all the resources, all the substance, all the reputation, all the glory of God, the Godhead, lived in Jesus in bodily form. The fullness. Everybody say fullness. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. Say fullness. So Jesus was the fullness of God, and you're the fullness of Christ. You have the fullness of Christ. You're not lacking. You have the fullness of Christ. You have the full, and when you live from that place of fullness, you show people what Jesus looked like, what Jesus sounds like, what Jesus, how Jesus talks and what Jesus does. And this is important because when they went into that land of Galilee, they didn't dispossess the enemy. So they begin to talk like the enemy. In fact, Peter was a Galilean. And when he was arrested, when Jesus was arrested, Peter followed Jesus into the courtroom or the 
the courtyard where their fire was. And the third time he said, I'm not with him. The woman said, I know you're with him because you are you sound like a Galilean. You talk like a Galilean. You bak your car in Harvard Yard. What does that mean? It means if you don't dispossess what the enemy tries to impede your inheritance, it'll change the way you think and the way you talk. But if you do dispossess them, you can fully possess your inheritance. And so because they didn't dispossess it, Galilee began to be known as Galilee of the Gentiles. It was a derogatory term, Galilee of the Gentiles. It's where the Gentiles live. Nothing good comes from Galilee. In fact, by Solomon's time in 2 Kings 9, Solomon built his temple, and to reward the kings that he had alliances with, the king of Tyre came, and he gave the king of Tyre all of Galilee. He gave away God's inheritance. King of Tyre, if you study him through the Bible, he's actually a type of Satan. Ezekiel 28 talks about the king of Tyre prophesies against him, and then actually turns into a prophecy about Lucifer falling. Basically, this story is telling us is that if you don't possess your inheritance, someone else will. And when they do take possession of it, they'll cause it to fall into disrepair. In fact, Isaiah 49 talks about desolate inheritances, inheritances that have been, never been claimed. The king of Tyre walks into Galilee and looks at them and says to Solomon, you are giving me this land? This place is worthless. It's barren. He called it Kabul, which means a barren place and of no value. Can I tell you something? The devil will speak over your life. He'll speak over your children. He'll try to convince you you're worthless and of no value. But can I tell you something? The land of Galilee was a promised land, the same way that Jerusalem was, and Judea and Samaria was. And Jesus came not just to show us what God looked like, but show us what happens when God shows up in a barren place to show what happens when God comes into a place that looks worthless, into a school that looks like it's filled with violence, into a workplace that's corrupt, into a political system where no one's talking truth. What happens when God shows up there? Things change. So by the time of Isaiah came around, the land of Galilee was worthless, and God raised up Isaiah as a prophet, Isaiah 9. You'll know this as a Christmas prophecy. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and of his kingdom and his government there will be no end. It will continually increase. But the beginning of the chapter, before we get into the Christmas part, actually says this, but to you, Galilee of the nations, I say, a great light will shine to people in darkness. And there will be no more gloom to those that have been living in dismay. But unto you, a child is born. Jesus was not just a prophetic promise to us. He was a prophetic act to the land of Galilee. He was a prophetic statement. Now, I'm going to restore what's been lost. I'm going to redeem what's been taken over by the devil. I'm going to bring back value to what's been devalued. I'm going to bring back worth to what's been told it's of no worth. 
I'm going to bring light to what's been put into places of darkness. I'm going to do, I'm going to do, I'm going to use a prophetic voice the same way the devil became a prophetic voice that said, your, de- your destiny is worthless. Your home is worthless. Your finances are worthless. Your health is worthless. Your kids are worthless. God raises up a prophetic voice that says, in the place where you said it's worthless, I'm going to do great things. In the place that looks like barrenness, I'm going to produce fruit. And what does he do? He places his son into the womb of a virgin girl who lived in Nazareth of Galilee. He causes that girl to carry that child to birth, and Jesus is raised in Galilee. He is, starts his ministry in Galilee. He performs his first miracle in Cana of Galilee. He chooses all of his disciples except for one, Every one of them came from Galilee. I'll give you two guesses who the disciple was that wasn't from Galilee. And his first name starts, rhymes with Udis. Okay. And so, isn't that interesting? The only one that didn't make it was from the place where <laughs> he should have made it. And the only guys that made it were from the place where they said, nobody can make it if they come from there. I love that. When Jesus was resurrected, he said to Mary, tell my disciples to meet me back in Galilee. He's down in Jerusalem, in Judea, he says, tell them to meet me in Galilee. Why? Because I'm going to show them. For unto you a child is born. Unto you a son is given. The government will be upon his shoulders. Can I tell you something? I believe that God is going to take you into places where the door has been slammed shut in your face. And he's going to spring wide. Oh, heaven. You're going to say, lift up your heads, O your gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. When I go into a place, when I go into a nation, I say, Lord, what do you want to do in this place? What do you want to say in this place? And a couple years ago, I was, I was um, invited to speak at a pastors and leaders conference in Berlin, Germany. It's one of the assignments that's on my life. Um, I had never spoken uh, in Germany before, but I was invited because I'd done some work in the German-speaking part of Switzerland. And I was invited to speak at the a, uh, International uh, Vineyard Pastors Conference uh, for the German-speaking vineyard there. It's about 150 churches. And it happened because I was in, I was in um, Zurich, and I actually called this guy out, said, you're a worship leader, and you're from this city, and, and I, saw, I see you being a worship leader, not just of a church, of a movement. And this movement is moving from Bern, Switzerland, the capital of Switzerland, to the capital of Germany, to Berlin, Germany. And I give this word, so the, the director of the vineyard there, who's become a good friend, called me and asked me to speak to um, these 500 pastors and leaders from Germany, Switzerland, Austria. And he said, I only can give you one session, 90 minutes, but if you fly over to Germany overnight, put you in a hotel for one night, you speak and pray for my, my, my group, we love you, have you do it. So I was excited to do it, but I was kind of jet lagged when I got in. I got in about 10 o'clock in the morning to my hotel room. <clears throat> I started to close the blinds, go to sleep, and something weird happened. You just have to believe me, like this is just what happened. It's, I know this is what happened. I had this experience while I'm sleeping. And it was as if I was having a dream, but what I really was seeing was, I was kind of seeing myself sleeping. It was as if I was hovering in the, in the room, and I could see myself sleeping. And I saw this thing walk through the door of the room. And it had this black cloak over it. And it's looking at me, and I see myself sleeping, and this thing's hunched over at me, looking at me. And as I'm watching this, I hear this thing go, who do you think you are? Just like that. And I saw myself kick this thing. Like I was sleeping, I saw myself kick, and then I woke up, I woke up in my body, and I'm kicking. Get out of here, get out of here, get out of here. Which is not spiritual warfare. It's just being woken up by a demon. <laughs> Most likely a principality. 
And so what I believe it was, was that it was a, it was a regional principality there that was there to check me out because it didn't know who I was. But if you know who you are, if you don't know who you are, then the devil will tell you who you are. Right? But if you know who you are, so if you don't know who you are, you'll say, oh, there's, there's no favor in your hometown. Oh, no, a demon showed up in my room. Oh, did they have legal right? Where did I let him in? Oh, I better get the holy oil and the holy water and the shofar and the flags. I call the intercessors. I'm all for intercessors. I'm cool with holy water, holy flags, holy shofars, holy moly, all that stuff. I'm good. But, but a lot of times what we call spiritual warfare is actually us fighting to get ourselves in a place where our perspective is right. And so we're not praying, we're praying for to get the answer of truth. We're not praying with the answer. So what's the truth? The truth is this, Psalm 24, who will ascend the hill of the Lord? Who will stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol or sworn by what is false. This is a generation that will receive favor from the Lord and vindication from our God. This is a generation that seeks my face, the God of Jacob. And they will say, lift up your heads, O you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors. It just so happened my hotel room had a view of the Brandenburg Gate. So I just figured it's an ancient gate. It's an ancient door. I might as well just speak to the ancient gate. Who do you think you are? I'm clean hands generation. I'm pure heart generation. I'm a generation that seeks his face, the God of Jacob. I'm a generation that stands on this holy hill, high above every other hill. And I speak to ancient gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Can I tell you something? That 90-minute session turned into one of the greatest moments of favor to minister to leaders. And since that time, I've ministered to leaders all over Germany, and I've been able to help prophetically guide a, a community and a, and a whole movement of churches because I didn't believe what the devil wanted to say. It's worthless. You don't have favor. Who do you think you are? You don't belong here. Let me tell you something. If God's told you to be there, you belong there. You are welcome here. Can I tell you? You are welcome here. You are welcome in the body of Christ. You are welcome in this city. You are welcome. And I believe that God is going to give you your Galilees. Some of you, God's going to give you your Galilees. Some of you, you had a past life, you were in prison. Can I tell you something? You're going to prophesy to prisons. Lift up your head, O you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors. The King of glory is coming in. And God is going to sweep through a prison ministry in this area that's going to literally see whole prisons saved, women's prisons saved, and, and men's prisons saved. I see God is going to restore things that have been lost and inheritances that have been lost. And I believe it's going to happen because God is releasing, is breaking off you the mentality of rejection. And he's releasing the mentality of favor to understand who you are in Christ. And I just feel like the Lord is saying that there's something that's going to come even on this church, in this movement. There's a favor. I really believe this year for financial breakthrough. And I, and I just, I really feel that. But if, you've, if you feel like this word is for you in terms of there's been places where you've been rejected and the door's been slammed in your face, but you're going to make a stand and say, you've heard it said of prophets without honor except in his own country, but I say, I'm welcomed here. God's putting me up on a chair and parading me around town. The city's going to rejoice when I show up. If this word is for you, I want you to stand to your feet because literally I believe today God is seating you in, in heavenly places. There's a new favor that's going to come on you. There's doors that are going to open to you that have been slammed in your face. There's doors to places in, in, the, in, the, in the society, in the culture. Education, doors for education are being lifted up. If you have any role in the education realm, I just want you to lift up your hands and we want to bless you. Lord, we just declare over teachers. We declare over students. We just say right now, God, 
that you are releasing a grace for the education realm in Jesus' name. We declare, Father, that you are raising up a generation. And I just hear the Lord say that there is even coming like a move of God in this area that's going to affect all the way from elementary school students all the way to college students. And I feel like the Lord is releasing a grace to train up a generation before they in the way that they should go and they will not depart from it. And there's going to be an anointing. And, I, and I, even in this church, I feel like the Lord is saying there's something that's going to happen among the young children in this season, among the, pre, uh, the early childhood development age, among the kindergarten and the, and the, and the elementary age, that God's going to sweep in, a, in an area of revival, but it's also going to be a high level of education. And I just feel like there's a grace for certifications. There's a grace for approvals, for favors. And I just even feel like the Lord is saying there's something. This is a beautiful place where you are, but I feel like there's even space that's going to open up for you for, for schooling. There's space that's going to open up for you to train up children. And God is going to release favor in the education realm. In Jesus' name, God, we just pray blessing over teachers, administrators, students. We pray, pray in Jesus' name campus ministries, school ministries, in Jesus' name. And we declare to the gates of education, say it with me, lift up your heads, O you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient school doors. The King of glory is coming in. And we just declare, even in this off-season, that, Lord, you're posting angels around our schools. There'll be no violence in our schools. There'll be no gun violence. There'll be no gang violence. There'll be no racial divisions. And we declare that this city and this region of this city, Lord, will have such a grace over the education realm. In Jesus' name, God, I thank you. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I feel like there's also a grace over um, business entrepreneurs and also, particularly if you've had a, a failed business and a startup, and I feel like that there's, a, there's an area of grace that God wants to release. And if that's you, if you're a business owner, a business manager, or you uh, have a startup, I want, you to, I want you to just come to the front. I want to bless you because I believe there's a favor for business. As we were worshiping, I felt like the Lord said that there's a, there, this, is gonna be, this house is going to be a house of an incubator for entrepreneurs. And I feel like there's a grace for business that's going to that's gonna come in this next season. And it was like a school of the supernatural. It's not just going to be a school of the supernatural, but there's a school of supernatural business that God's going to raise up in this place. And so, Lord, I just thank you right now uh, for each one that's standing here in Jesus' name. We just declare right now in the name of Jesus, God. We just declare right now in Jesus' name, God. We thank you for favor, God. We thank you for favor in Jesus' name. And I see the Lord putting almost like these mirrors all around you. And I saw you setting people in front of these mirrors and they, they had lost their identity. They were, they were faceless because they didn't have an identity. And I saw you just giving them makeovers. I saw you just uh, fixing them up and, and they start to see themselves look like Jesus. And I just hear the Lord said, there's like a business that's going to be a ministry too that's going to release identity. They're literally like a like a spiritual cosmetologist, like a spiritual hairdresser, a spiritual makeup artist, you're going to release identity over women that have lost their face, that have lost their identity. In Jesus' name, God, I thank you. In Jesus' name. And this is going to affect even women in, that have been trafficked, women that have been hurt, women that have been abused. So God, we thank you in Jesus' name. I just ask you for favor right now uh, over each business, over each business manager, over each uh, business owner. And God, I just bless them in Jesus' name. Lord, I just thank you 
uh, for this family. And I just heard the Lord this afternoon say this, and I, I felt like it wasn't time to release it. But I heard God say, it's like you've been a nurturer uh, of the church. You've been a sustainer of the church. And I just feel like the Lord is, it's like he's, he's weaning the church off of the mother's milk uh, from the last season. And I just feel like the Lord is saying that the church is going to mature and it's time for it to learn how to cook its own food, how to make its own meals, how to make its own bed. And I just feel like the Lord is saying he's just weaning the church off of the mother's milk. And God wants to thank you for, for being like a nurturer, for you and your family being a nurturing uh, an, an agency for this church. But I just feel like the Lord is saying there's something coming. And I saw you almost like sit down and look at the future and for your kids. And, and it's like, the numbers add up here, but they don't add up here. But I just feel like the Lord is saying there's a blessing that's coming back on you. For there was even great personal sacrifice. And I saw you like borrow from your future, something from a retirement that you bought and invested to take to, take to invest in what God wanted you to do here. And I just feel like the Lord said you didn't borrow from your future. You invested into your legacy. You invested in your legacy. And so things that you even took out of your retirement account and early withdrawals and things like that that you took to help the church, to start the church, and to do these kinds of things. I feel like the Lord said you're going to see it pay back uh, into your family. You're going to see blessing over your family. You're going to see blessing for their education. You're going to see blessing for their future. You're going to see blessing for their, uh, for their home. And so, God, I just thank you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, we just bless. In Jesus' name, we ask for increase. We ask for increase. And I just feel like even the Lord is, is saying that this is a time where the Lord is expanding your territory. And I feel like there's even something, a connection that God's giving you with Asia in this next season. And I feel like the Lord is saying there's even going to come new markets that are going to open up for you uh, in this next season. But also that there are people that God's going to have you pour into in this next generation that literally will be uh, millionaires and billionaires in the future for the kingdom of God. And I feel like there's something that's coming over you and, and your family. I feel like... Uh, Tracy, it's a Tracy, right? Yeah. God, I, I hear the Lord say there's something's going to happen op open for you in like uh, Singapore, uh, in like Asia, places in Asia, and, and Indonesia. And I feel like the Lord is saying He's going to use you to empower young uh, women entrepreneurs and ministers uh, in Asia. And God's going to use you to, to release uh, the fire of God uh, over those places. And so, Lord, we just bless them in Jesus' name. Lord, we say increase the favor on them. Increase the favor. Increase the favor. Increase the favor. And I just hear the Lord say there's sometimes you felt like you've had more favor in the world than you've had in the church. And I feel like the Lord said that's because I protected you from that which I didn't want to recognize you. The reason you were hidden from some men, the reason you were hidden from some movements, the reason you were hidden from some places is because if they would have recognized the gift in you, they would want to try to maximize it for their potential or they would just not view it in the way that I view it. And I just feel like the Lord is saying he's kept you hidden because he hides treasures. And he, he's, I feel like the Lord is saying that he's gathered something on the inside of you um, that's not it's not going to be recognized by those who need it, but it's going to be recognized by those who have a, a common anointing with it. And I feel like this in this next season, there's even coming some connections with you, uh, even on the West Coast. And I feel like there's co some connections coming with uh, Southern California and Northern California. And, uh, and, um, and I feel like it's not because you've tried to 
to seek recognition, but because you've tried to seek your tribe. You've tried to seek your tribe, and I hear you like saying, Where, where's my tribe? Where's my tribe? And I just hear the Lord say that I've given a unique DNA in this place, but I've also called you alongside of some other uh, places as well. And I feel like in this next season, there's a release of something. And even among uh, the worship ministry, I feel like there's a connection that's coming with Jesus culture that's going to be a great uh, connection. And it's not just because everybody likes them and honors them, but I feel like there's something that God is going to release a connection. And even like uh, some things that have happened out of the worship ministry that it was like things that were recorded that just didn't get distributed as well as they could have but I feel like the Lord's saying I'm opening up a new distribution channel uh, in this next season uh, for, for what I've given you and I, and I feel like the Lord is saying there's a lot more music uh, in this place to be released in this next season there's a lot more sounds that God's yes. going to release yes. um, but it's not just a, even the sound of one uh, one culture. I feel like there's even an intercultural release that's going to come. I feel like there's a real urban sound that's going to start uh, to come out. And I, he I, I hear almost like the, the, the urban culture being drawn into this place. And I hear the Lord say, if you allow me to release a new sound, I'll even draw, uh, make this place like a place where all the cultures can feel comfortable, where all the cultures can be at home. And so God, I thank you. Lord, we just release that, God. And we say that Galilee was called a worthless place, but then you called it, they called it Galilee of the Gentiles, but you flipped it and called it Galilee of the nations. Like all the nations can come here. And we just say, God, that this is a place where all the nations can yes, be comfortable. Lord. This is a storehouse where all the nations can be fed. Yes, this is a storehouse where all the nations can fit. This is a storehouse where all the nations can be reached. This is a storehouse. And I even feel like the Lord's going to do something, even with the school over the Internet, that God's about to just expand your territories. He's about to release something that's going to touch even nations. And so, God, we just thank you in Jesus name God we just bless you God and we just release favor over this place and I just declare I just declare now is the time of God's favor today is the day of salvation say it with me now, now is the time of God's favor, time of God's favor. Today, today is the day of salvation you know we just declare a harvest of salvation of souls in this next season but also favor for what needs to be built, favor for what needs to be released in Jesus' name. Just take a few uh, moments, put your hand on the person on the left and the right. I just want you to release favor over them and just declare favor over them. God, we just declare favor in Jesus' name. We just declare favor in the name of Jesus, God. We thank you in Jesus' name. And Lord, I just say, I just say, let them have milk without cost, wine with no money, God. Cappuccinos unlimited, God. Lord, thank you we can rejoice in coach. But God, I thank you that you have first class for us. And thank you that we can bless the people on the left and the right. But God, I thank you that, Lord, there are people that you've called us to reach. Lord, that will take great favor, great influence. I thank you, God. We already have the card. We already have the ticket. We already have the access to it, God. All we need to do is just go up the elevator and think differently. All we need to do is just go up the elevator and we have access to things in heavenly realms. And Lord, we just declare all of Ephesians chapter 1 that you have for this church, that you have blessed them with every blessing in the heavenly realms, God. Every blessing, fullness, God. And Lord, we just go up the elevator now. And Lord, we just, I want you to just lift your hands straight up. And I want you to reach into those heavenlies. We just say, God, we thank you. And we put our hands into fullness. Literally, the heavens are full. The heavens are pregnant. You have blessed us with every blessing in heavenly places, God. And Lord, we take hold of them. In fact, God, I just want to give this picture like heavenly pinatas hanging over every head, God. 
God, I thank you that you're busting. You're busting. Clap your hands. You're breaking the heavenly pinatas. We thank you that you're breaking the heavenly pinatas. God, I thank you. You're releasing a blessing that can never be contained in Jesus' name. Woo! Yeah. Clap your hands over somebody else's head. Release the blessing over them. God, break it, God. Release it, God. Yeah, God. Release it, God. Release the heavenly blessings, God. Woo! <laughs> Woo! Yeah! <laughs> you guys are fun. You're a little crazy. You guys are awesome. <laughs>